Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Preach the Peach. I'm Sage. And I'm Alyssa. And we're the co-founders of Peach Pack, an online community that is having pretty radical conversations about womanhood. We're bringing late night sleepover chats from behind closed doors straight to your ears. On this week's episode of Preach the Peach, we are chatting about all things sex education with our best friend, Amira. Amira is a sex educator for Elephant Ed, which sends young, relatable, and highly trained facilitators to deliver fun and engaging sex workshops to schools. We're saying goodbye to condoms on a banana and hello to all things porn, consent, the power of sex education, and so much more. So do you want to tell our listeners some insight into what Elephant Ed is and the type of work you're doing? Cool. Yeah. (laughs) Firstly, thanks so much for having me on the show today. Very excited to be here. Anytime. Um, Yeah. So I work part time for Elephant Ed, which is a sex education company. So what we do is we go to schools all around Australia and deliver sex education workshops on a range of topics. We talk about porn, we talk about consent, we talk about intimacy, we talk about privilege, we talk about body image, um, puberty, honestly, everything Mm. under the sun. And it truly is an incredible job. I really, really love it. Um, It's informal, it's relevant, it's progressive, inclusive. And yeah, that's why I love working there. Amazing. It really sounds like you guys are touching on all of the incredibly important topics um and i guess to get started we'd love to know why you chose to start working at elephant ed i think what initially got me involved in elephant ed is i was actually sitting at uni a couple of years ago talking to a group of friends and we were reflecting on the fact that we had literally no sex education at school um except for a really weird activity which involved a condom and a banana and an old teacher um (laughs) it was very uncomfortable and i definitely did not learn anything practical from that experience Mm. so yeah we were all just sitting around and i remembered oh i'd seen on my social media that um there was some people i knew that were trying to start up this cool organization called elephant ed um that were working to change the narrative around sex education at schools so So I got in touch with them and had an interview and then I've been working with Elephant Ed since 2018. And it's since then, um, it has honestly grown so much. It's really, really incredible to see how many schools and other businesses um, are really recognizing the importance of informal, dynamic and most importantly, relevant sex education that Mm. meets young people with the things that they need to learn um, Mm. and the, you know, it's up to date with the current kind of porn and social media and the information that a lot of the students are getting um, that a lot of teachers are not always up to date with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like aware of, I guess. Um, I 
I have a question in the sense that obviously even though it's been around from 2018 and you've probably done like hundreds, thousands of workshops, <laughs> like I'm still so intrigued with, you know, the first time you bring that type of content to students, like how they react. So even though it's so familiar to you now, how are students engaging with that type of content for the first time? Initially, they're a little bit awkward and uncomfortable, but then by the end, and we know because we do feedback forms mm. um, at the end of the workshop that s- students just more mo- mostly respond so, so positively and they really, really love it. And mm. they sometimes leave us comments just emphasizing that they've never had sex education like this before and how comfortable they felt and how much they learned and how grateful they were for that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think initially they're a little bit hesitant and awkward and uncomfortable and like pretend like they don't want to learn about mm-hmm. it. But by the end, they, you know, always are wanting more. Yeah, totally. I'm wondering because I think, you know, even as best friends, we're in the most comfortable situation when talking about sex and our bodies. And even within this context, it can be awkward. And so I'm wondering as a facilitator, if you ever get anxious that it's going to be awkward between you and the students. Um, and if you do, how do you kind of shake that off? Yeah, I I think I've gotten to this point. I mean, I've been doing it for a few years where I really just don't feel awkward talking about <laughs> anything. Like for me, it's just become so such second nature to talk about sex and different topics and related things. And I think sometimes when I see the students' reactions to things that I'm saying, I'm like, oh yeah, these these most people don't talk about sex, you know, yeah. a few days a week, um, which is something <laughs> that I do regularly. So, yes, sometimes, you know, you really see students squirming and embarrassed Mm. um, and really not wanting to say the word penis. Like, it's like the worst (laughs) thing they could ever do. Yeah. But, um, yeah, for me, I just feel really, really comfortable talking about it. And Mm. if anything, it's a bit harder talking about it with friends and family. But with students who are a lot younger, it feels easier. Yeah, Yeah, even with this podcast, the thought of putting it out there does not freak me out. But when I think about a family member or like a friend's mum listening I'm like oh god I know when I have an image of like my mum listening to like how many times I masturbate or like come like, <laughs> that's really scary yeah it's oh, even okay. funny like we sometimes find when we go to schools the teachers are the most awkward mm. ones like they sit there in the back of the classroom like not wanting to make eye contact oh and being really really awkward but the students, yeah, sometimes are way more open than, than they are. Definitely right. a generational gap in some yeah. schools. Knowing that you guys touch on all these different topics, what is your personal favourite topic to talk about with the mm, students? That's a really, really hard question because I think every topic is so, so important. Mm. Um, but I particularly like talking about the STIs and contraception and safe sex workshop Mm. because I really think that that was something I needed in high school. Um, Mm. Just kind of a very clear explanation about different types of contraception, Mm -hmm. different options. STIs was not something I learned about, which Mm. is something so, so common. Um, So, yeah, I think I really enjoy doing that because I wish I had that at high school. Yeah, But, yeah, the consent workshop as well is really common at the moment with all of the you know different issues surrounding sexual assault Mm. um so that feels like a really important and empowering workshop to deliver to students Mm -hmm. because it can really really transform a person's life having a good understanding of about what consent and how to know if you you've got a person's consent Mm -hmm. 
but yeah, some of the, you know, the puberty ones always fun, you know, for you six or sevens, mm. um, talking about erections and periods. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, then later on pleasure and privilege also. I really, really enjoy doing that for like the older year levels. I guess this like made me think like which topic the students like squirm at the most. <laughs> like I guess they'd hear like penis and vagina or coming or anything and be like, ew, but, like anything in particular. Um, I think it's funny when we deliver the porn versus reality workshop because porn Mm. is so commonly watched amongst young people. Like, you know, it's hard to put a number on it, but Mm. it's very readily accessible to young people with Mm. the rise in technology. So, you know, sometimes when when we ask a question around porn, everyone kind of looks the other way and doesn't want to admit Mm. that they're the ones watching it. So everyone sort of plays dumb in that respect. Um, But... Yeah, which topic do they get most embarrassed about? I think, yeah, erections boys mm. get really, really self-conscious mm. about or will often ask, you know, how do I deal with it or what to do yeah. um, if it's something that they're new, newly experiencing. Mm. But, yeah, it really depends on the group and their maturity. Some groups are really, really open and don't feel super uncomfortable, but then others, you know, any single word they, you know, literally go red. Yeah, <laughs> that reminds me. I feel like I recently found out that young people with penises can get erections kind of at any time or nothing really needs to sexually stimulate them in order for them to get an erection. Is that true? Um, no, that's definitely a thing. When a person with a penis is going through puberty, there's so many hormones rushing around their body that they will sometimes experience up to a 10 or 11 erections in a day. And mm. they're just random. They're not often as a result of arousal. Like they literally, yeah, as you said, could be sitting in a maths or English class and just get an erection wow. at a random moment. Um, and I think, you know, at that age of whatever age a person goes through puberty year six or year seven or year eight even you know I think there can be a tendency to laugh and make fun of that person and Mm -hmm. embarrass them but it's really out of their control yeah um, when they get an erection so we often speak about in terms of dealing with it you know erection is blood rushing to the penis Mm -hmm. so if you distract your brain and then that will send blood um, elsewhere like even flexing a muscle will then can can make a person's erection go away but Right. Yeah, it's totally out of a person's control during puberty. Same with wet dreams. Yeah. So it's definitely something that people be- need to be more aware of. Yeah. And I feel like even on the topic of like wet dreams, erections, like there'd be a lot of questions that I think at that young age you just want to ask. And it's amazing that they have the forum to ask, you know, you guys these questions that everyone is thinking about. What's like the most common questions you get? Yeah, so at the end of every workshop, we do an anonymous Q&A, which is personally my favorite part of the workshop because Mm. they can literally ask us any single question that they want about sex education or any topic, really. Um, So when it comes to, like, generally boys' classes, um, the most common question we get asked is, what is the average penis size and (laughs) does size matter and does not matter if my penis is this size or this size? And it's really, really interesting because... Um, it's a huge insecurity that a lot of people with a penis have, especially at the age when they might be watching Mm. porn and seeing wildly unrealistic 
penis Mm -hmm. sizes. So we definitely get asked a lot of questions about that. Um, We also get asked a lot about what's the right age to have sex for the first time and Mm. like when should I lose my virginity and, you know, is it weird if I'm having sexual thoughts at this age, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's definitely a lot of hype around, you know, the all hailed virginity and when to lose it and when's the right time Um, and we – we often say to that there is no right time. The right time mm-hmm. is the time that is right for you and that is dependent on your relationships or your family customs or culture and history. Um, yeah. yeah, the environment that you're brought up in, there is no official age that this is the right time because for some people that could be really, really young and for some people that could be a lot older. Yeah, yeah. it's so refreshing to hear you know how you guys go about answering these questions because you know the the fact that they're asking does dick size matter that would be you know from porn that they're watching from Mm, movies from film from just like societal norms that have been created by the media so it's so important to like bring them back to reality because I don't know where else they would be getting like a forum to talk about these things. Yeah, exactly. Mm. We also something, yeah, just on that is we speak about sex in a really inclusive way. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not just penis and vagina. Mm -hmm. Sex incorporates all different genders, all different people. Mm -hmm. And we're really mindful of that at Elephant Ed. So we... One of the best parts of the job, I guess, is, you know, seeing or hearing of students or receiving comments about how validated people that don't fit into the heteronormative Mm -hmm. kind of cis het bubble and having that gender or sexual expression validated um, can be really transformative for a person's life. And yeah, hearing that sex isn't just one thing and involves so many different things and so many different body parts. um, Yeah, one of the best parts of the job for sure. Yeah, because I also think like in comparison to our experiences with sex education and how it was so so polarizing, Mm. you know, it was like penis and vagina, male, female, this is how it looks like. There was no talk about it looking Mm. any different, which Mm -hmm. I think for someone who is struggling with their sexual identity or not even struggling, just like different in that respect, um, trying to work out, okay, but what about me? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It would be really... (laughs) I don't know, disheartening. Yeah, and also, isolating for Yeah, sure. isolating. 100%. Yeah. You mentioned earlier about privilege and pleasure. Can you go into a bit more detail about that? Yeah, well, basically it's really important for people to realise that we live in a really goal-directed sex society where sex is always about finishing and coming and orgasming in the end part but in pleasure the workshop all throughout all of our workshops we speak about that sex doesn't need to be a really goal oriented thing Mm -hmm. it can really be about the process and the foreplay and the intimacy involved and created Mm -hmm. um and obviously porn does a really really poor job of representing what pleasurable sex looks like in Mm -hmm. real life Mm -hmm. um so we definitely try to break that down and speak about obviously the clitoris Mm -hmm. person with vaginas um main site of pleasure (laughs) and yeah we just speak about that pleasure isn't it's also about the environment that a person is choosing to be intimate in and making Mm -hmm. sure comfortability Mm -hmm. um all of those factors are really really related to pleasure yeah and I feel like when people with penises uh, finish or ejaculate, there is a physical substance that Mm. comes out of their penis. For women, there... I mean, I guess girls can get wet. I believe they can also... Yeah, they can squirt. Squirt. Um, (laughs) What did you say? Squirting. Oh, yeah, Yeah. squirting. (laughs) But I feel like that 
has added to the privilege of male ejaculation in that I feel like at least for me growing up sex was over when the male ejaculated and it was very clear when that happened but because an orgasm for a person with a vagina you can't see it you know that whole narrative of like is she faking it that power imbalance is quite interesting yeah yeah, 100%. I will also just mention that squirting is definitely a, a thing. People yeah. sometimes ask us, you know, is does squirting actually happen? Is it real? <laughs> mm. But when a person with a vagina ejaculates, um, sometimes they will release a fluid. Mm. And some people think it's urine. Some people think it's not urine and it's like a separate substance. Mm. Um, but yeah, squirting squirting definitely can happen but I totally agree that it's very obvious when a person with a penis ejaculates because you can see it um but with a female yeah there's definitely more like confusion and Mm. about you know the female orgasm how to achieve it and when it happens and I think seeing you know the idea of faking an orgasm in pop culture really adds to the mysticism around female orgasms and yeah I think of that scene in when Harry met Sally. Have you seen that? <laughs> yeah. When they're sitting mm. in the diner and she does an entire performance of a fake <laughs> orgasm and Harry is, he, he can't believe his eyes. Yeah, I think we, we often find when we go to schools, especially in the kind of middle high school years, that there's a lot of um, girls and people with vagina that don't realise that masturbation is an option for mm. them. You know, they might have heard the boys in their year level talk about it in porn, but yeah a lot of young girls don't realize that that is an option for them too and that they can achieve pleasure on their own without a partner do you teach that um we don't explicitly teach masturbation but we often get asked you know is masturbation okay is masturbation healthy Mm -hmm. um in which case you know different schools with different religious backgrounds um might have their own kind of two cents about that Mm -hmm. but we always stress that masturbation is is normal um Mm. it's really common and it can also have health benefits um in terms of stress relief Mm -hmm. and i think it can really improve a person's sex life in the future if they know what feels good for them Mm -hmm. and how to achieve an orgasm um or just yeah how to knowing your own body is always really important because that's what i think like in terms of faking an orgasm a lot of it comes down to actually not knowing how like what makes you feel good and being like overcome with okay well i should be feeling really good yes it may feel okay but this isn't like amazing and Mm. so a lot of us like speaking from my experience feel the need to fake it because I have Mm. an experiment at 16 hadn't experimented with Mm. myself um got to know my body and what you know turns me on and what is pleasurable so that's just instinctive um Mm. to kind of just fake it just on what we were talking about about um the orgasm gap and pleasure it was really funny a couple of weeks ago I was doing a workshop for kind of um year 11 and 12 students and I had it was anonymous, but I could see the question came from um, a girl and and she wrote, can you please talk about the orgasm gap? Because my best friend's boyfriend is in the class and he doesn't know how to pleasure her. Mm. And I just thought it was so funny because there are so many, you know, cis relationships, cishet relationships where, yeah, it's, it's really one-sided still in terms of, mm-hmm. yeah, who receives the most pleasure and mm-hmm. that the sex is directed towards the male's ability to come and not hers. Um, so, wow. yeah, it was really, really 
good for, I guess, everyone in that room to hear about the orgasm gap and realize that, yeah, both people in a relationship need to be experiencing pleasure and not just one person. Yeah. So I loved that a girl was in there, you know, helping her friend down, <laughs> yeah. getting one she had her back. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like if I had a workshop like that in yeah. high school, mind, mind blowing, like life changing. <laughs> Agreed. It's so shocking to think about the fact that we didn't have any of this. Yeah. It's terrible. Because yeah. I mean, I think we spoke about this in the first episode, but I was fully 21, 22 when I masturbated and orgasmed mm. for the first time. And Crazy. it's so exciting to, <laughs> to know that, you know, these kids are going to come out of school so much more well-equipped and sexually liberated. Mm. Yeah, well, let's hope so. <laughs> let's hope so. I think it's really interesting to see how porn has impacted our perception of sex and our real-life sexual experiences. From interacting with the students, how have you found porn to have impacted young people and their sex life? Yeah, I think it it has made such a huge impact um, on the way that young people understand sex. As I mentioned earlier, technology has fueled this huge increase in accessibility to porn. And we know from statistics that so many young people are accessing this on a regular basis. Um, so yeah, our, our two porn versus reality workshops are really, really common and really important. Um, I think I was like r- really aware of how it plays out in in you know reality kind of from the tv show euphoria there's that Mm. scene where two people are starting a relationship and the guy chokes her Mm, and he's she's like what are you doing and he was like i thought that's what girls liked Mm. um and to me that was just like a really clear reminder of just how people watch porn and then think that that translates into how sex should be in real life and Mm. what's actually pleasurable for people yeah um and she was like and he was like, I thought this is what girls like. I thought this is what girls wanted. And she was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Kind of thing. And we definitely see that kind of attitude or beliefs come out through students' questions that they ask in a porn workshop. Um, we know that so many pornographic videos contain violence. And a lot of that violence is directed towards women. Mm. And it's just really scary to think about what impact that has on the viewer the young impressional viewer Mm. who is interested in sex and wants to watch porn in order to learn more about sex Mm -hmm. and then is seeing so much violence um Mm. including spanking and choking and even more intense forms of sexual violence Mm -hmm. um yeah it's really really concerning wow the largest yeah in our workshop we speak about how porn distorts reality in two main areas in terms of body image in terms of a person's understanding of what bodies should look like because obviously porn stars are commonly photoshopped or have had breast enlargement or penis enlargement also they rarely show body hair um so porn really distorts the way people see sex and bodies and real Mm -hmm. life people and that can lead to a lot of body dysmorphia issues um eating disorders all of those things Mm -hmm. um But then we also speak a fair bit about how porn impacts on sexual behavior and how, you know, porn doesn't show people having those conversations about consent and comfortability and what both people feel comfortable doing. Um, It doesn't show conversations surrounding contraception or STI prevention. Mm. Um, It doesn't show conversation about 
mm. pleasure as well. It's kind of just assumed that everything feels really good. Um, yeah. It also shows that sex can last for 30 minutes <laughs> to an hour when in reality that is not how long a lot of people last before ejaculating. Right. Um, doesn't show condom use as well. Anyway, so porn clearly has a, quite a negative impact on young people's mm-hmm. understanding of sex. Yeah. Um, it's really, really concerning and that's why our workshop's about making people aware of the illusions that porn gives. Yeah. We actually had a conversation with one of our guy friends the other day and he mentioned that he has decided to take a step back from watching porn because it was significantly impacting his relationship. And I think I wrote an essay on this <laughs> in for gender studies, but um, how it mm. impacts a lot of young boys performance in the bedroom they kind of choke up because you know they're so used to engaging with porn and it's so separate from reality and so different that when they actually get into real life experiences and in the bedroom their ability to perform is Mm. inhibited 100 percent. but also yeah performance for at least i can speak to my experience like i thought I had to you know moan I thought I had to be loud I thought Mm. I had to be really performative in that respect because Mm. porn depicts that like it and that's what sexy is you know that's what Mm. we think is attractive in the bed like someone who is I don't know I feel like at least the porn that I've come across that's how a lot of the women have been depicted Mm -hmm. and a bit submissive and a bit like I'll do whatever you want you know (laughs) so I think it's just really crazy how you just at such a young age are exposed to all this content and Mm. really instinctively kind of take that on and embody it without realizing like this is this is not reality this is not true and Mm -hmm. really being aware of like the slippery slope that 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 can form habits for your sexual relations to come and I think yeah that's really scary yeah Mm. like another huge issue is porn addiction Mm. and it's people don't recognize it in the same way as other addictions but it really manifests in a very similar way of people needing to get their hit um, becoming really reliant on it and in a lot of young people with a porn addiction they're choosing to watch porn over engage in regular day-to-day activities Mm. Um, and naturally that has a huge impact on a person's sex life as well if not at the time in the future in the way that they you know expect sex to be um and they may become desensitized Mm. to what real real sex and real bodies are actually like yeah so it is a really really huge issue as well and do you touch on ethical porn um we don't touch on it because we we don't necessarily endorse porn watching we more just speak about the the we we aim to give students an informed view about porn we don't go in to say you should never watch porn yeah we just go in to say that if you if a person does choose to watch porn these are the things that they should know and be informed about um so they can adopt a critical attitude to the things that they're seeing yeah Yeah, because i feel like at the end of the day it's a production you know it's Mm -hmm. like a form of art in a way like a set you know these are actors and it's not real life so I think understanding that is really important we also speak about how you know porn lies on a spectrum and on one end you have the you know mainstream hardcore porn which is what is typically on internet sites but then we also speak about softcore porn being you know the hooking up scenes that you might see in movies and tv shows and video clips as well Mm -hmm. music clips um 
And that can also impact a way a person understands mm. sex and the classic scene of the man leaning in and kissing the woman. And yeah. there's no consent shown in that either. For um, sure. And you don't see often in TV shows conversations about consent um, or about contraception or protection or STIs. Mm-hmm. Um, those rarely exist as well. Well, from a personal experience, I feel like that was my type of porn. Mm. I uh, We spoke about this in the first episode, <laughs> but took pride when I was younger and not watching porn. I was like, I've never watched it. Yeah. I never typed it in. So pure. So pure. <laughs> Lol. Um, but I had an idea of sex and that was from movie scenes and yeah. books, I guess. And you're right. Consent was not touched on and if anything that still impacts me today like I think yeah how that like manifests in my sexual life now Mm. is very similar to like the movie scenes that I was watching of like you know a guy just leaning in and you know that's kind of what I still expect today yeah that sort of romantic kind of guy that always wants to kiss and always wants to have sex and stuff but yeah also these very few you know porn or softcore softcore or hardcore porn show also diversity you know you don't really see a diversity in body types and Mm. body images and ethnicities and backgrounds and then bodies able-bodied non-able-bodied um there's also not much diversity in gender or sexually diverse people you rarely see trans women or men Mm -hmm. being shown in in a lot of pop culture or you know common tv shows or even non-binary people so Mm. there's definitely a lack of diversity in that sense as well yeah And it's good, I feel like, as a movement. Obviously, you have sex education, like elephant heads popping up. You have, in pop culture, like, different identities emerging that are in mainstream, like, movies and TV shows, I think, that it's really changing the narrative. And although there's so much still to do and there's obviously, yeah, a lot of improvements that need to, you know, be made to these industries, I think it is, like... Definitely, uh, we've come a long way since our, mm. at least when I was, you know, 15, 16 mm-hmm. in school. And I just remember knowing nothing. I remember I would lie on one of my good friends had an older brother and she would sometimes come to school and be like, did you know about this? Did you know about that? And yeah. I just felt like the most naive little girl. Mm. I didn't know anything. I mm. was so blinded um, because, yeah, there wasn't anyone that I could ask my questions to. Yeah, that's what's the most alarming for me is that I actually don't remember any sex ed classes that I had, Mm. which just proves the point that we obviously had them, but they clearly didn't have an impact (laughs) on me because I just don't remember them. Yeah, and I think even like nowadays there's probably what, like a few consecutive workshops, like it's something Mm. like a, it's a journey almost, like you get introduced to these topics in year six year seven maybe which is still quite late and then it's like you continue up until year 11 year 12 for us it was almost felt like a tick off the box it was like Mm. yes we'll talk about these things Mm. in year seven they now know and it was like never brought up again I don't think yeah I think what what I really believe is that sex education needs to be something that's ongoing that students first have at a Mm -hmm. really really young age conversations about consent and boundaries and safe words um and all of those type of things and then that means that that foundational knowledge can be built on year after year when you start talking about intimacy and body Mm -hmm. image and respectful relationships and consent um and pleasure and all of that um because you know if you're coming into 
actually think maybe in year 12, we had a really, really random, like not planned workshop on consent by some random teacher. And <laughs> I think we all just took the piss out of it because we'd never heard about consent before. Mm. Um, and it just came out of nowhere. Right. Um, so that's why I think it really needs to start earlier at a mm. young age. And I think a lot of schools we go to, we really see that there has been an improvement and it's really, really heartwarming to see schools taking a lot of responsibility for this. Um, but there is definitely a long way to go. Yeah, mm. that's awesome. I guess maybe a final question when you say, oh, I've just gotten pins and needles. <laughs> oh, ah, I thought that was the question. Oh, I was like, <laughs> I was just doing a performance. Yeah. You know, this is what I sound like when I orgasm. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm just in so much pain. Wait, I hopefully it will. Just got it. Ah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you fine? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so on the topic of a long way to go, what needs to happen in the space of sex education or like the biggest hurdles currently for Elephant Ed or in general do you think that you're needing to overcome? Mm, that's a good question. I just think there needs to be more of it. I just think schools or maybe there needs to be a national curriculum which mandates that every year or every term there needs to be workshops or these top, certain topics discussed at, at every single point um, because it it needs to be consistent and a lot of schools aren't preparing their students mm-hmm. for, for life outside of school or re- relationships where they have no knowledge at all. Um, it was actually funny. I met I met someone a couple of weeks ago who was a lot a guy a few years older who didn't know what a period was. No. And I was like, wow. "Are you serious?" Like, I think he went to a religious school, but didn't know what a period was, and what? I was in shock because I just thought that was something that everyone yeah. would learn. Yeah. So that to me is just a clear indication that some schools are really not preparing their students for the real world. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Yeah. These are like really important <laughs> things yeah. that people need to know about. And that's, yeah. you know, we speak about this stuff so much, but hearing that I'm like, God, we have a long way to go. We have a long way to go. And then, you know, you have different schools with different religious or cultural backgrounds that have their own rules and limitations about what they can speak about as well. Um, So, yeah, obviously every religious background is entitled to their own thoughts and denominations, but there maybe needs to be some sort of base layer of knowledge that students need to have, even about anatomy um, and those type of topics. So, yeah, I think there needs to be more of it. I think it needs to be compulsory. Mm. Um, It shouldn't be an opt-in sort of thing to talk about consent. Yeah. Well, in the spirit of being sexually liberated, (laughs) I am going to play you this. Who wants to eat me out? Did you hear that? (laughs) Not really. (laughs) Billie Eilish just announced her album. And in announcing her album, she uploaded a video of her doing something random and then saying, who wants to eat me out? (laughs) Which I just think is so awesome. Good on her. The more conversations that we have like this, the more liberated and educated we feel in these topics um the more we'll understand about our bodies and have the confidence in asking for what we want like billy just did to her whole 
totally TikTok agree. fan base. <laughs> <laughs> well, Amazing. thanks, Mizzy. It was such a great conversation. I feel like I'm I'm so proud that you're doing this work. Like mm-hmm. I think it's so important and clearly there's a lot that needs to be done, but you're doing something that an elephant ed in general really changing this narrative um, around sex education. And I think it's pretty radical it's awesome yeah. thanks so much guys and also all of the work that you do is definitely also <laughs> furthering the importance of having open conversations about sex yeah. so Thank keep you. out the good work oh <laughs> supporting yeah. friends is so nice oh the best <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in on this week's episode of Preach the Peach. If you loved it just as much as we did, please send this over to your friends. Give us a rating and a review. It would mean the world to us. And don't forget to go and head over to our Instagram at Peach Pack to continue on the conversation. All right, see you next week. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.